listening to Halloween, the definitive companion with your host, my good friend Daniel Kruber, and me, Gav Murphy. Today we find out what became of Tommy Doyle, and there's also lots of other bonkers stuff to talk about too. Okay, Daniel, what is the premise of Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers? Michael Myers has been worshipped and controlled by the cult of Thorn all along, and they have designs on Laurie's new baby. But don't worry, Tommy Doyle knows what's going on. Sort of. <laughs> it's, do you know what? In all the lead-up twists, right, so many people are giving it an absolute pasting. But I've got to say, I enjoy this more. I think it is more enjoyable. Yeah. Also, when a film has had this many problems during its production, mm. I find it absolutely fascinating. In the same way that I find Josh Trank's Fantastic Four oh, yeah, fascinating. Because yeah, yeah. you go, how can something so big and high profile go so wrong? Yeah, how can it get out of so amazingly out of hand? Just when you start to dig into why there is such a big gap between this film and the last film, yeah. there's a six-year gap. Which is weird when the last one ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah. You realize how much turmoil it was in. It was in development hell, so script stage it was in problem. Yeah. And then it was in a, a bidding war, right? Do you know about this? No. So, so this is why this is such a mess of a film. Yeah. So in 1990, Mustafa Akkad didn't realize he'd lost the rights. Right. They'd lapsed. And Carpenter wanted them back. So Akkad teams up with the Weinsteins what? of Miramax and puts in a sealed bird. Right. John Carpenter teams up with Rob Shea, who owns New Line Cinema, mm. which is the house that Freddie built. Yeah. They put in a sealed bid, and they go back to Akkad. They obviously bid more for him. So yeah. this film is a co-production with Miramax, who were putting it out through Dimension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the reasons it's such a mess during production is the wine scenes were like, this is crap. We're going to yeah. reshoot it. Yeah, because this is the first one that we've seen that Dimension. I think this would have been the first film that I would have seen that Dimension film thing mm. on, which I now just associate with Scream. Which contextually is weird that that's a year later. I can't believe it, yeah. But genuinely, though, I did think there are some scenes here that I do feel were almost as almost scream like, not as good. Don't get me wrong. I think there's similar when they're going to school. Yeah, that feels like when they're going to the high school. Mm. And like the the guy, the uh, the the love interest, like he does like a Beavis and Butthead quote at some yeah, point at really one annoying. point, and you're like, looks like your little boy's got himself quite an imagination. He's been having nightmares. <laughs> I think it's cool. Feels like Stu. Yeah. I think there's that thing where, what was it? Parody emerges mm. when a genre has run its course because the audience needs to know the tricks yeah. that the parody is going to make fun of to yeah. work. And I guess this is the year before, so it is prime to be the joke. But also as well, that's what I meant to say. The other thing that I, I really did find quite screamy was the DJ stuff, like the mm. radio show stuff. Like that, almost, that feels really sort of meta in the way that they're coming to Haddonfield and Haddonfield's become this sort of thing outside it, uh, outside of the town, you know? And they're kind of like trying to fuck about with it a little bit by bringing this guy, well, I mean, one of the worst characters I think has ever been in Barry. a film ever. You know it was meant to be Howard Stern? They yeah, wanted Howard Stern to be I can kind of get that, yeah. I mean, now have you seen all the videos that are now coming out? Like, I mean, I always thought Howard Stern was a fucking prick, but... I just, I, that was, Howard Stern is something I just never got. I never understood why people like that at all. And then all the videos that come out now are just like times where he's just been absolutely awful to people on his radio show. And it's like all these people around, 
laughing their fucking heads off and being like, no, you can't say no. Oh, it's different times and stuff like that. Because you were laughing. Your, he was like, yeah, I ate it at the time as well. No, you didn't. You were laughing your ass off. Wasn't it famously meant to be shocking? It was called a shock jock. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like it was normalized jock. Awful. I just never got that. I just, I'd be like, it's awful. Can we just have, can we have nice jock? That's what I want. Terry Wogan. Yeah, exactly. That's what we L- got. The last of the nice jocks. <laughs> exactly. But that is, so when you know all of that context, yeah. you can see all the people that are pulling this around Absolutely. in different yeah. directions. So many different versions of the script with different things. So when people start doing that, apparently there's meddling producers, uh, production companies, execs, writers, directors, yeah. doesn't really care about it. You get all these unresolved plot lines yeah. and weird threads. So that's why this film is absolutely fascinating to talk about at length. Yeah, definitely. And we should say for the people who kind of know about it as well, there are two very distinct cuts of this film. One, a theatrical cut, which is the one that we are mainly going to focus on. But we will be digging into uh, the producer's cut, or the P-cut, as it's known in uh, in the Halloween verse, which we are now in. So, Especially with some of our elements, we can't ignore what's in that stuff. 100%, yeah, absolutely. So how it connects is interesting, because it opens with Jamie, who we know from 4 and 5, giving birth to a baby. Yeah, and we find out it's in the bowels of Smith Grove. Yeah. So last thing we know is she was abducted at the end of five by the man in black, along with Michael Myers. They were liberated from this police station. And I guess for the intervening six years, just being kept by this cult. It's absolutely horrible. Because that was a thing straight away that was like, hang on, who's the dad? Which is never resolved in the film in the film but it, outside of the film in early drafts yeah in early early drafts of the film one idea that was mooted nobody wants to own up to this <laughs> which is very understandable i think some people pointed the direction at studio execs yeah as you probably would they said that michael is the father of the baby yeah which not only makes him a mass killer but a pedophile and a rapist yeah because they basically force this baby to happen the cult. exactly yeah which is weird because there's also an interview i found um the guy who plays michael the first guy to play michael twice mm. george p wilbur described that when he was doing an interview and he described it as a love scene you oh think that's God. a love scene george how do you film that is he wearing the mask um i think he says in that interview yeah but i keep the mask on well fortunately i don't think they ever filmed it thank fuck for that i mean i don't think i probably like michael Myers quite as much after that yeah, I'm, I'm glad it doesn't exist and nobody had to go through that. But it's also a really unnecessary contribution to th- why. It's Especially with what some of the film later sets up, that he want they want him to kill that baby. What If he wants to end his bloodline, he's not going <laughs> to try and continue his bloodline. Yeah. The thing that I, I, <laughs> I, the thing that I was just like, couldn't get my head around when I was watching the just awfully cut and just bonkers 90s uh just that noise that they keep uh playing on every cut i was like who's made that decision because this is horrible to watch and i know it's meant to be horrible to watch but the thing that was going through my head it was like presumably they've been planning for this baby to come and this is this is that the culmination of a lot of planning and years and stuff like that it really feels like they take them by surprise. <laughs> and they're like, right, where's she having this baby then? Oh, fuck, I don't know. Like up against this wall? And that, it kind of like, some of it, they go really in on the production and they go, right, we're going to have these candles. It's going to be like an altar. It's going to be some kind of uh, like set piece ritual. Then other times, it's just going, oh, that's 
went on. It was just corridor. It was corridor with nothing in there. They were like, we are in a medical facility. It is cleaner than the cave. Yeah. <laughs> Should we? Yeah, let's let's move the delivery. Just to have it in the cave. Is surgery one free? Yeah, it is free. So, yeah, we never canonically know the parentage of the baby. No. I think also in some ideas, and I think this one maybe, does it make slightly more sense? Maybe in a world where not much makes sense anymore, mm. that Wynn forced himself on her, that he wanted an additional baby and the, the yeah. ritual has to end with Michael killing another male child, maybe. Well, I guess like that's the, it makes whatever sense once you know what that ritual is. But I honestly, when I was watching this film, I was like, I have no idea what the plan is here. And I think, we'll probably talk about this in greater depth than the last one, but we go mm. put it on the table. Because the biggest difference between the two cuts is mm. the last 20 minutes is almost entirely different. Yeah. The producer cut, the last 20 minutes is much more in, in tune with this cult stuff that we see up top. Yeah. So I think the original plan is for Michael to kill Jamie's baby. Yeah. And then the Curse of Thorn will go into a new era and that will be Danny. But who what? a lot of the other film, a lot of the film does set up as having this propensity for darkness and is yeah. a perfect vessel for it. So the idea is that he ends a blood one sacrifice. Line. Yeah, one sacrifice. Because right. all the Sam Haynes stuff they say is like, once in every generation, yeah. one family is chosen to take the curse away from the tribe, essentially. That's right, yeah. And it's now Danny's turn. Michael's done his bit. Yeah, but because Jamie was having this baby, it cocked everything up. No, I don't know if I think that was part of the plan. Especially if they're the one... Because when they take her, she's a little kid. Yeah. And they, they can watch her. Yeah. <laughs> they can stop her getting pregnant if they don't want. Maybe the last of the line has to be another male. Right, okay, yeah. Or something like that, something... I have, uh, yeah, honestly, because I was watching so much of it, it just kind of flits around because Danny is having these weird visions, like similar to what we've seen Jamie have before. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. He, this this kid's killing someone in this film. But after a bit, you just go like, what's he doing? What's his purpose? He's got no purpose. The Danny and Cara stuff is wild without the original ending. And it's also even more compounded as well. And this is another connection, so it should go in this section. The Strodes are back. Yeah. And what are the chances the next perfect vessel is the Strodes, yeah. the family that took in Laurie? <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's really odd. It's really odd. There's also a weird thing around Danny's parentage. Who's his dad? Yeah. Cause some people online speculate it's John Strode. And oh. there's some incest going on. Because there's oh. a bit in a, in a cut line where he's a little bit provocative towards his daughter. Oh, no. And he's a bit of a... A bit of a tyrant elsewhere in the film. He's a strange character. But you know what I mean? There's all these little things that when you think about it, you go, oh, that doesn't actually match doesn't up. make any sense. But at the same time... It's fascinating, though, isn't it? It's only obviously when you stop and then you start thinking about things and you go, none of that makes any sense. But also at the same time, it's a weirdly enjoyable... It has a lot going for it, I think, this film does, in a way that I don't think Five does. Um, which I, we'll, we'll get onto, like, bits. Another big connection... <sighs> I think the guy who wrote it, Daniel Farron's like just big Halloween super fan. Right. And I think you can, I think he was obviously tasked with making it all connect. Connect, yeah. So, the reveal of the man in black. Yeah. That's a big old connection. Yeah, that's really good. That's Dr. Terrence Wynn from the original film. Yeah. Who is getting that? You and I are doing this podcast. Yeah. I don't know if I'm getting that. No. Another one I love that they chuck in, Mrs. Blankenship. She was babysitting Michael on the night that he killed his sister, was yeah. she? What? Was this when? No, that didn't happen. But I do love <laughs> what that implies, though. What? That because she's part of the cult in the original ending, that 
she knew she she was like, I'll, 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 watch, I'll watch over him. I'll yeah. watch over him. And then she's almost setting him on his way into the night. She's like, yeah, go on, go out. But him. that's where I think he's tying it back to the original. Yeah. And all this stuff has been put on him. And if you knew who Terrence Wynn was, yeah. that's quite a good reveal. There's this cult in Haddonfield that engineered that original night. That is And then all yeah. the repercussions from that going, did Michael escape from Smith Grove in 78? Yeah. Or have they just let him out? Just let him out, yeah. And so it, it's one of those sequels that changes your perception of the original. Or should do. Should do. But yeah. you just go, who's Terrence Wynn? Yeah. Because I don't think it plays with the full effect of it's the guy who walks Loomis to his car yeah. and speaks for five seconds. I'm not responsible, Sam. Oh, no. I told him how dangerous you he was. You couldn't have. Two roadblocks and an all-points bulletin wouldn't stop a five-year-old. Well, he was your patient, Doctor. If precautions weren't strong enough, you should have told somebody. I told everybody! Nobody listened. There's nothing else I can do. You can get back in there and get back on that telephone, tell him exactly who walked out of here last night, and tell him exactly where he's going. Probably going. I'm wasting my time. Now. Sam Haddonfield is 150 miles away from here now. Now, for God's sakes, he can't drive a car. He was doing very well last night. Maybe someone around here gave him lessons. Because he's a good actor as well, isn't yeah. he? So it, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. And this guy is a presence, let me tell you. Yeah, that's not good. Also... The Thorn thing that we saw in number five now obviously has a big... The Thorn Ruin now has a bigger uh, part in there, so that connects it. But when um, <laughs> when Loomis comes into the barn and, he's, and Michael's just burnt this giant Thorn thing into the hay, and he just goes... It's his mark. He's come home. Is it? Since when? You never do this previously. Yeah, you've never seen it. Unless he's found that in the last five, <laughs> six years, but... He's now an expert on runes as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's my fuck off. You know who else is an expert in runes? Tommy Doyle. Tommy Doyle. That's a good connection as well. That is a good I don't mind that one. I think it's great I think it's great because yeah. you're going to tie it back to the original. Yeah. And it's kind of what the 2018 at Halloween did. Hmm. What would you be like after going through that? Yeah. I think that's I I, I don't mind that. And he's maladjusted and he's almost like Laurie does in the one we're going to talk about later is he spent the intervening years trying to prep himself. Yeah. And not physically, not in terms of weapons, which probably would have been useful. Yeah. But in terms of like knowledge, because he knows about Sam Hain, he knows about yeah. the, the rune and Thorn and what it symbolizes and all that sort of stuff. Among the ancient druids, Thorn represented a demon that spread sickness, brought death to hundreds of thousands of people. According to Celtic legend, one child from each tribe was chosen to be inflicted with the curse of Thorn to offer the blood sacrifices of its next of kin on the night of Samhain. Halloween. The sacrifice of one family meant sparing the lives of an entire tribe. For years, I've been convinced there must be some reason, some method behind Michael's madness. He knows how to do a protection, like, rune ritual in the producer's cut as well. Yeah, so which looks like he's playing D&D on his own. It's shite, isn't it? They not put any money into those little runes. They should do. All right, uh, this is what I've been genuinely looking forward to, is the mask ranking. And I, I think this is one of the best we've had for ages, except it's massive. <laughs> you know, with the masks, I think I've lost perspective what's good and bad now. <laughs> I loved, I, there are some shots of this, which I think, I think are genuinely brilliant, but it is huge. It is massive on him. But they've took the neck in. They've tucked the neck from in, five, yeah. which was the really bad thing about five. But that's the only thing, is like because the mass that we've got, so we've got a couple of the mass here, and 
I don't notice this so much with the 2018 mask, but you've got an original one that you put on, and that looks like this. That looks like this. It no. looks, it's huge. I, so when we got those photos back, which if you listen to this podcast, you've seen. Yeah. When we got those back, I was I was annoyed at myself that unlike like Bill Shanks, I hadn't tucked in the neck. You hadn't tucked it in. <sighs> Did you retouch it? Yeah. So I can't go back and do reshoots mm. um, without Miramax money. Okay. Yeah. But I, I like it. It's got some really good definition. It looks like it's someone's face again, and we haven't had that for ages. I think also it looks quite shabby. Yes. Because he's been down there for six years. Yeah, and yeah, presumably, yeah. even though the mask in five should be the mask from four, because yes. it goes directly on, it's not. Yeah, it's not Are we thinking this is the same mask? I guess so. So in, in, in the world, I know I think about this a lot. In the world, yeah. this is the mask that he picked up in four then. Yeah. Unless while he's been down in the bowels of Smith Grove, there's like, oh, do you want to... We got another one. We got loads of them, actually. Which yeah. one, Michael? We went and collected loads just in case. Because you seem to be favouring this now, Mike, so... Also, that's how do they regard him? No Are they worship him down there? Are they like, oh, whatever you want, Michael? Mm, that's true, actually. Or is he locked up and caged and used like a weapon? I think he's locked up and used like a weapon. Okay. I, th- I, I think they... But they can control him, him. They, can, they can control him, so they, they don't need to be nice to him. They don't need to treat him well. It's like, no, we just control Because in their worldview, he is an offering. Yeah. Okay. But, but this the, is, Sorry, get back to the mask. That's, that's, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, to get back to the mask. Like, I, I think the hair looks great. I think it, it yeah. looks genuinely good. It's quite shaggy, but I quite like yeah. that because he's, he's been living underground for six years. Yeah. I Honestly, I, I, I think it has... This is the closest we've had to it getting to the first, I think. Oh, wow. I've updated, big, my, big. I've, I've updated my mask ranking big style for this. Really? Yeah. So now, do you want to hear my ranking yeah, right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm really intrigued now. So now, in order of shitest to bestest. bestest. Five, four, two, six, one. And I'm almost not counting number three right now. Okay. I'm just talking about Mike because we're getting, this is, there's so many of these now. So five, five, four, four, two, Six one of the Michaels. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, you know what? I'm not inclined to disagree with you. Because I, I, I'm actually, even though I'm happy with it being up there with number one. Yeah. I'm not actually a huge fan of two. Because no. more the disrespect they've they've yeah, done yeah, with yeah. it. Like well, just it under a stinking bed. J- yeah, stinky bed. And just for that shot where it, it's lit up red and it looks like it, there's a light bulb inside it. Yeah. Looks like a red light bulb inside it. You know, I don't know if it'll be controversial, but I'm happy with sticking six in at number two, if that's clear. Yeah. So we go best, number one, second best, number six, third best, number two. And then I would put in Season of the Witch there and then go four, five. Perfect. I'm happy with it. One, six, two, three, four, five. <laughs> we finally, it. it's finally different. I like it. I'm, I'm big into that. Michael's performance then. So this is the first time we've had someone reprise the role. Mm. So we've got George P. Wilbur back, who yeah. played him in four. Yes. This is, you know, big hiatus, kind of in world time as well. It matches up. I don't know. I, I'm trying to, sometimes it's hard, and we've talked about this a lot, mm. and I've been, when I've been editing these, I realized this question comes down to, what is the actor doing? Yes. Also, what are they asked to do? Yeah. And how is it shot and framed? Yeah. And I think with this, when Michael does stuff, it's very 90s. There's mm. lots of like wailing electric guitars. Yeah. So that undercuts what in my head Michael Myers has always been. Yeah. And I don't think what he's doing is necessarily bad, but it's presented as like a guitar solos going on. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. So it feels much more crass than maybe what the actor... I'm trying to give the actor the benefit of the doubt here. 
I do. There are some scenes in this, and this is something that I've whinged about a lot, which is when he's when he walks, and when, it's particularly at the end when he's chasing Kara, Tommy, and Danny. He is walk. They are absolutely pegging it, right? And he is just walking with such confidence and purpose. He's not running. He's not. He's going complete walking pace, and he's walking with a purpose that we have not seen since number one, I think. But also at the same time. There are some really shonky bits where, and I, I don't know if this is down to what the plot was, but there are some bits, particularly when he's stalking the hospital, he, he, he moves and he turns very robotically. And I don't know if that's meant to allude to the fact that, that he is being controlled or what. Or like, are, they, like, are they controlling him in a sense Which is of a like, bad imitation of Nick Castle. Yeah, because his turns on the spot are really, really bad and really, really robotic. Uh, another particularly bad shot and scene, I think, and... Which is sad because I was really, you know, it, it, it's really harking back to the original. When Danny is looking across and he sees him, it's like really good sort of callback to number one. He looks like he's shrugging. He's sort of standing there, but Ooh. he's standing there like a hard man rather than just standing there completely relaxed. I wonder if it's something to do with the build of the actor that you don't think enough about. Yeah. So in my head, I was like, are these actors getting maybe too big and hench? Yeah. And that's what we're clocking coupled with the movement mm. so i went back and i was like is this guy just bigger and stuff and he's not incredibly tall he's six one yeah but what i then found out is i did the height of all the other actors yeah. you go six one isn't big nick castle was five eight i'm five eight yeah dick warlock in the sequel was five seven so Crap. i wonder if it's actually you think oh, i'll make it bigger it'd be scary scarier yeah Maybe something about the original was having a slighter person performing mm. actually helped with his movement. Yeah, maybe. Were people just smaller back yeah, then? Yeah, they're really malnourished and pregnant women. Maybe that's smoking. what it is. Maybe that's what it is. People just smaller back then. But I was just thinking, I could, I could be the shape then. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 5'8", five, I could do that. I genuinely wonder, I was genuinely surprised by Nick Castle being 5'8 in the original. Yeah. So maybe that's got something to do with it. So when they go bigger, it doesn't work as well for some reason. Well, I mean, at some point, we're going to have a WWE wrestler playing him, mate. So that's going to be fun to is watch that, scary? that one. Is that scary? No, I don't think it is. Especially when you... Like, I know who that wrestler is, so it's not great when you see him and you're just like, I remember you wrestling and what you used to wear, dickhead. Uh, <laughs> that's really interesting, Daniel. Um, I, I, again, though, like I said, I think this film has a lot going for it and his performance you, in some bits is absolutely right, yeah. You know why you're registering that? Because I've edited previous episodes where you really lamented in four, yeah. which was also George P. Wilbur, yeah. with a kill, no head tilt. Mm. Tell you what, you get head tilts in these. Oh, you do. First thing he does, head tilt. That's why it's You want a head tilt? Head tilt. I've put it in, mate. I've put it in. But before that, let's talk about stupidest decision, right? I mean, production stupid decisions. I've got loads of these. Yeah, I've got those. I've actually brought those in a separate category. Do you want to do those first, or do you want to do the second? Shooting 90% of it with Dutch angles. That's great, is it? Um, I've, I've already mentioned it. The scream and the stab sound effects just to punctuate every scene. What are you doing? That's the worst. Absolutely the worst. What are you, I thought, oh my God, it was doing my head in. I was watching it here yesterday in the studio. I had to turn it down. I was like, because oh, it was like the morning. I was like, what do people think I'm doing in here? I was like, I have to switch that down. Maybe making a fool of me in front of our artist uh, neighbors. I love if someone, oh, is it Curse of Hall 
cut? Yeah. <laughs> oh, is it theatrical cut? That's theatrical. Isn't it? Oh, I thought Gav was a man of taste. Banging on the door. Do you want to see my pee cut? Um, <laughs> what have you got? So we're doing production. Mm. Getting rid of Jamie Lloyd. Yeah. What great character. We spent the last two episodes saying what great actor actress she was. <laughs> yeah. And there was loads of really interesting angles that you could explore. Yeah. She's dead. She's dead. Got but unceremoniously dead. And also it's another actress. Got a 35-year-old actress to play. <laughs> but it looks at things. And now you've just got this annoying little kid and then with a backwards w- cap. And then in one version, it's not even Michael that kills her. It's the man in back who just shoots her in a hospital bed. That's bonkers, isn't it? It's not... For- doesn't really respect the characters from the last two films. No. Especially if you see these three films as a kind of little trilogy. Yeah. Which it should be. It ended on, the last one ended on a cliffhanger. So I thought it was very weird to get rid of um, Daniel Harris, mm. who I thought was great. Did you hear about all the stuff that was going on with Daniel Harris and that? Oh, she like wanted to be in it? Yes. It gets messy as, it gets, I can't believe this was allowed to happen. So she wanted, her parents and her agent asked for more money than she'd ever had in these films, right? They said no, because she was 17, so she was technically still a child. So basically, the plan was, and I don't know if this is from Miramax, I don't know from the Weinsteins, I have no idea what this is from. The plan was she needed to get emancipated from her parents so she could legally become an adult, so then they didn't have to treat her on set like a child, which meant... Shoot longer days. Yeah, exactly. Longer days, all the labor laws go out the window, and they were like, if you can do that, then you can be Jamie Lloyd again. But it didn't happen. Can you imagine that conversation? It's never good if a company is making you emancipate yourself from your parents. It's being fucking Halloween 6. Somebody needs to step in <laughs> at that point. I just couldn't imagine saying that as a, as a producer, as an adult, as a human. Imagine just being like, yeah, we got a part for you, but um, you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to divorce your parents and you're never going to see them again just so we can treat you really horribly on set. So we can exploit that? you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't think I will be no. at Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers then. Thank you very much. You better recast me. So my other stupid decision, which I think is a production stupid decision, but it mm. plays as a Michael stupid decision. Okay. Michael going to the Halloween festival and yeah. killing the radio DJ. Oh, yeah. There is, with the new ending, there is literally no reason... For that to happen. No. Why why is Michael going to it? Yeah. Because he's more busy back at Smith Grove doing all the baby stuff. <laughs> he's gone out of his day to go into town. Yeah. To hide in the back of a van of a radio DJ he has no connection to. It's no part of his bloodline. Yeah. Just to kill him. He's got stuff on. He's got and stuff on. And he strings well. him up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he strings him up. No one sees that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's right in the middle of the thing. I I've written down as well. It's like uh, Danny and Loomis are talking, going, right, we need to, I'll, I'll meet you back later. Where should we meet? The Halloween festival? Anywhere but there. Meet anywhere but there. How about that? Like, let's not go to the place where people are celebrating Michael Myers. Yeah, I'll see you there, mate. I'll be fine. What are you doing? That is bonkers behavior. I do really love the idea of um, a town banning Halloween. That's, that is really good. Not, it's, they, don't, they don't do it enough, they? don't do really they? explore it enough. I no. think there's one version of the script where there was going to be a kind of Jaws-esque mayor. Right. It okay, was like, yeah. we don't want Halloween. Yeah. And maybe you thought for some time he was the man in black. 
Yeah, I would have cool idea. I would have liked to have been more though as well, like it being shut down, like curfewed and stuff. You know, like on Halloween, it's basically purge night. Everybody indoors, no one comes out. It's purge night for one man. For one man, and he's back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah that'd be so, really. Good. So that's kind of it's a production silly mistake that yeah. results in a plot hole. That yeah. one, but I've also got lots of in movie ones as well. Well, most of them that I've got in movie ones, people just relying on a baby not to cry. Which is uh, out of control because that's what they do. That's like ninety percent of what they do, and it's just the, in some scenes that you just have to go along with it. And go, yeah. Like right at the beginning, Jamie just hides it. He doesn't look at anything, and he doesn't. The baby, assuming then the baby doesn't cry for that moment, that's absolutely fine. If the baby does cry, it's dead. And then later on, does the exact same thing. The baby cries, and I'm like, oh shit, we know where it is now. Why do you keep re- relying on this baby not crying? You're also relying on Michael just not going back and checking places. Also, what gets really confusing as well is that baby gets doubled up for loads of different stuff. So at one point, I think it's just another blanket. Another one is like a roll of toilet, like a, a cardboard tube. Another one, it's five syringes full of green gunk. And it's just like, how many times are you going to double up on this baby? And I was just like, every single time it happens, it's three or four times, every single time it happens, I was like, well, that's obviously not a fucking baby, is it? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> when he pulls out the green goop, is the worst oh, one. The like, oh. What is happening here? <laughs> um, I like the mum, yeah, Deborah Strode, mm. fleeing from Michael, going into her own back garden, and not realizing she can't get out of her own back garden. That's, she doesn't yeah. know the layout of her own back garden. I feel like something was going on there because it's odd, isn't it? Has he changed the layout? <laughs> well, he's been painting something. It's weird. She goes out into the garden because she's been chased. Yeah. She goes through one sheet and she goes, oh, no, there's a fucking fence there. Yeah. Well, this is what I couldn't <laughs> what? understand. I didn't understand if he put it there because, <laughs> like, honestly. It's <laughs> a bit of DIY. No, because there's, uh, there's a big shot of her looking at a roller, a paint roller. And, I, and then when she goes out, that fence has been newly painted. So I don't know if it's like he is meant to be that he's painted that Michael. fence, that he's put that fence up. Honestly, watch it again. It's like there's a fence that's been half, it's like just been shoddily painted. And she's looking. I'm going to have to rewatch this. And she's looking at these like paint, this like paint roller for ages. She's shocked at the color. I think the idea, I think the idea is that he's trapped her in there. Because he's trying to do. With a fake fence. I don't know why he's painting it. That's weird, isn't it? And when she gets killed, mm. does Michael clean up her death, essentially? Because he puts yeah. her in the laundry room because no other characters notice that she's dead. No, no, no. I feel really sorry for her. She's quite good. I've got one more. When they're escaping, Paul Rudd goes into a guard room that has so many weapons. He shoots him with what looks like a grenade launcher and then doesn't take anything, anything else with else. him. It's so well stacked with weapons. Yeah. I'm, I think he must shoot him with tear gas. But it plays like a rocket launcher. Right. <laughs> Take more of it. It's like Resi. It turns into Resident Evil. Yeah. It, all that bit does remind me of Resident Evil, to be fair. It's like weird labs that are also kind of ritual altars and things like that. Nondescript corridors. Yeah, flashes like- everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I do think I've got one that I think is absolutely the stupidest decision. Having sex in your sister's bed, like which oh. you know is, is a big bad one yeah. in Halloween times. So, cuz that is Laurie's bedroom? No, it would be it would be Judith's. Judith's maybe, potentially. Exactly. Why are you doing that? Sandy Johnson's. She's that's why he he hates that. If we know one thing about him, yeah. is Michael Myers is a little fridge. 
And what we do know is she knows loads of stuff about Michael Myers. She knows the entire layout of that, of the house. She knows exactly how everything went down. She's an absolute expert on it. Still decides to have sex in that bedroom. You know he's going to kick off about I mean, that. That's the clear winner. He's going to kick off. Let's do scariest moment, Dan. I struggle again for this one, really. Yeah. I mean, there was one bit which I actually did, uh, like, I had a jump scare, and it's when Michael sort of reveals himself in the barn. I think that is because, like, the lightning goes yeah. and his face appears, and I did actually shit myself. And no one really sees him. No, I did actually absolutely shit myself. But I do, I do have a proper scariest moment, which I did find genuinely unsettling, but and I also really, really loved. Okay, it's a strange scene, but it's basically when John Strode is being a monumental prick at the breakfast table and just throwing out all sorts of bonkers lines and just being mean in general, and hits Kara. And I assume he's going to hit her again. And then he looks down, like the music kind of changes. And it looks down, like no one's noticed it happen. But Danny has a knife to John's stomach. And no one sees it happen. It's really unsettling. And everybody looks genuinely afraid. And I, th- I was like, this is, a, this is a cool scene. I really like it. And it's like, Danny even looks shocked that he's doing it. It's like he's not in control of it. Mm. And I was like... This is proper, like, Michael Myers stuff. This is, I thought it was really fantastic. But played as kitchen sink realism. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, never explored further than that. I really. mean, without the ending, <laughs> without the original ending, Danny's just up for some. Yeah. He's just, just pulling a knife on his granddad. I guess he's just, like, protecting his his mum. Uh, mum. But, yeah, but the way that it's played, the way not, it's like, he looks generally shocked. He's not like, you stay away from me or anything like that. He just looks generally shocked that he's found himself in that situation. And it's a similar face to what we saw original tiny little Michael Myers after he killed Judith. Blank and vacant stare. Absolutely, yeah. The only thing I had written down, I've already touched on it so far in this podcast, Mm. is finding out Mrs. Blankenship was babysitting Michael. Because you go, initially, before you find out she's part of the cult, which they don't really emphasize in the theatrical cut, but you you see her in robes in the producer's cut, is you go, that's you're really negligent to let yeah. him not keep an eye on him. But then when it dawns on you that that's what's happened, she yeah. was setting him up. She was yeah. prepping him that night. She knew what was going on. And then she mm. just let it happen. Yeah. And then there's this big cult controlling the events. Yeah. That's quite scary. That is. Quite Even though scary. it kind of completely undercuts the original film. And I don't like it on in that sense. No. Just that sweet little old woman in a very, essentially it's Rosemary's baby. Well, this is the thing. So originally, this is what I read, the director wanted the cult to be, those robes weren't going to be in it. They were all just going to be normal people and they were always going to be in their normal clothes, which I think probably would have helped all that bit because in Rosemary's baby, it's so terrifying because all the people are just normal people. Yeah, they're like New York socialites. Yeah, and they just play normally. Doctors. And they're yeah. not wearing drag, like those crazy robes. Yeah, this is way more hot fuzz. Yeah. Yeah, this is way more hot fuzz. Yeah. But that's the only thing that kind of really unsettled me, mm. is the fact that Michael Myers was this weapon yeah. all along. That said, I also was thinking, Danny, when I was watching it, yeah. that that is just a genuinely unsettling and horrifying moment. It really is, yeah. And I just, I just think I wish that had been explored a little bit more. 
I see only one bastard in this house. Get away from her. You shut up and stay out of this. John, please don't. You ever talk to me like that again. And so help me, God. You understand? Give me the knife, Danny. Okay, how many killings are we getting in A Curse of Michael Myers? This one's an absolute nightmare to work out. Mm. I've got 11 confirmed, all Michael, but God knows how many kills in the surgery scene at the end. It's just yeah. very unclear on how many people die in that room. Mm. But I'm saying 11 confirmed. Well, so I've got three best kills for this. I've got three contenders, right? And I think that using that doctor's head as a battering ram to get through the bars is fantastic. Like pushing it through. Like, yeah. My mum used to have this thing where you put a boiled egg in. Yeah. And then you would flip over a lattice and it would right, slice yeah, the egg. Yeah. That's what he does with that guy's yeah. head. I thought that was, that was a generally just good, fun, interesting kill to watch, I think. The, uh, I've just literally There's one read. clear winner, no? Uh, well, I'm just going through the other ones first. The trucker, when he fucking basically like rips his entire head off. thought that was really good, but very Jason Voorhees, I thought, because it just shows him with this incredible strength, which we have seen elements of now and again, but... To do that, Effortless. that is some supernatural shit going on, that is. Because you can't just do that to a head. <laughs> um, before we get on to the last one, and I don't know what you may have picked for this, yeah. should I just go through the um, symptoms of electrocution? Yes. <laughs> Severe burns, confusion, difficulty breathing, <laughs> heart rhythm problems, cardiac arrest, <laughs> muscle pain, seizures, loss of consciousness. Head blowing up syndrome? Just blowing up. What? It that's bonkers, that is. I mean, it is spectacular. It is. I mean, it's fun to watch. And I, I, I even wrote, like, Nurse Mary as well. Like, Nurse Mary right at the beginning because it's a, a brutal kill. And then he does the tilt. And I was like, I, I wrote, he did the tilt. He did the tilt. Which I thought was fantastic. But my best kill, which is not in the producer's cut, is only in the theatrical cut. Completely different ending for Jamie. But... Jamie getting absolutely brutalized by the combine harvester. <laughs> While spectacular, it's like, why is she in there? Why is she why getting killed like that? Yeah. Does she not deserve better? Did she? I think she does deserve better. a heroic death. Tina had a more heroic death. She did. She does deserve better, but I, I almost think it's like a similar thing. What we saw in five, you know, right at the beginning, we saw our hero get murdered. In the beginning of this, we get, like, she got Drew Barrymore, but it just takes about 20 minutes. And it's not Drew Barrymore. It's no, no one registers. <laughs> yeah. Way. Um, Doing the same actress? Well, th I think that's the big thing. I think it, that would have played way better if it was the same actress. Yeah, and it was, yeah, the first 10 minutes, yeah. Because I have fucking no idea what was going on. And I was like, oh, that is that is Jamie? Or yeah. But maybe, and also, bear in mind, I just watched this the other day. What if you were coming back six years later? I don't know, man. You just Would you remember any of this stuff? Were you that into it? Well, imagine trying to remember who Terrence Wynn is. Yeah, exactly bonkers but i do i really like that because it's got the some classic michael myers japery going on as well where he reaches out as if he's uh, gonna show her some love and it ring just like pushes it on three you can't have the baby michael Other good japes though with the towels. Mate, he's 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 all over it. He this is, is a laugh. This, this is we what, have established it. This I, time of year, Michael Myers is a laugh. I've done like a list of, for later on. I've done a, a list of his little japes, man. 
He's loving it. Are we, are we, but picking the, the best kill, yeah. are we going to go man being exploded in his own basement? I th- it's got to be that, isn't it? Like, my favourite is Jamie, but I think just because who has it's said that that's unreal. all right to do? Who's okayed that? Do they just have some money? Because it doesn't sound like they, it sound like they, they were in dire straits, so it doesn't seem like they had money to knock I heard they were about. pinching money from um, Hellraiser to finish this. So, uh, yeah, it's got, it's got to be the head blowing up in your own basement. He is a weird character as well because... I mean, he's played in all sorts of things. I mean, he's an abuser, like, all the way through it. It seems like his wife's afraid of him. But then when he comes home and, like, they're, like, the way that they show that he's drunk is just by having half of his shirt untucked. And you go, well, okay, that's the international sign for he's, t- he's tied one on. And then he's walking around going, good, doing all these little jokes and stuff. And oh, I was like, where's no, this come from? No dinner. Cheers, he says. Yeah. Something like that. Deborah, I'm home. Thanks for the dinner. Come out, come out, wherever you are. God damn it. She actually left. What's all that stuff? Who's he doing that to? I also think that's my favorite kill because he's so unlikable. Yeah. I'm quite happy that he dies in that way. That's true, actually. It's really almost, painful. It's like in that office episode for Threat 11 Midnight where they just put, where he blows Toby's head up because he, he hates Toby so much. And almost like, you're meant to hate this guy so much that you give him the most spectacular and audacious death. I'm into that. That's a good idea, actually. So we're going to give it that. I think best kill. And, and most cathartic. And most cathartic. It must be the boogeyman. <laughs> Here I come, boogeyman. As you know, I am really scared. All right, let's talk about our main survivors-ish. Well, I mean, I do like Loomis's reveal back when yeah. he's like, I'm not dead, just retired. <laughs> he's fucking having a great laugh. Yeah, I think he's hammered. Also got a hell of a beard on him as well, I which think, we've not seen before. I think it's my favorite Loom since the original. Definitely. He's calmed down. Yeah. I think you can, he's more measured. Yeah. I think you can sense greater continuity between this and the first one because the last two films, he's just been out of control and he's yeah. been quite villainous and stuff. He's yeah. been horrible to... Really um, annoying as well. Jamie. So he's written a book about Michael Yeah, in, the, in, his, in his retirement. Where he says, like, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that now. Everything is in this manuscript. Anyway, I'm going to make loads of money from this. You little cashing bastard. Sold the film rights. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Actually, that would be good. If you're going to make like a Wes Craven's New Nightmare style thing... I mean, like, we're going to make a Halloween based on Loomis's book. At the end of this film, who sold him to? A young lad called John Carpenter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like the bit where he's talking to Dr. Winnie. He's like, I don't want to practice medicine anymore. Were you doing much practicing? Because I didn't see a lot of practicing. I saw a lot of running around, shouting, and shooting. Well, end of the four. Oh, she survived it. She'll be fine. Yeah. That's where you as a psychiatrist come in. He's, got, he's also got some bonkers lines as well, which really made me laugh. Um, We've got to put this in. When to- when Tommy finds Loomis in the hospital, because obviously Loomis doesn't know who Tommy is at that point, doesn't know why, you know, that baby means like, no relevance to him as well. So he says, Dr. Loomis, and the yeah that Loomis does, I was howling. It's so good. It's so weird and unnecessary. And I feel like when you get an actor like Donald Pleasance, that's the funny thing, where you're just putting all these like strange inflictions into everything. You're like, why have you spoken like that? Why have you said that? You should know that it's not wise to play Halloween pranks on me. It's no prank. You're the one I've chosen, Sam. I want you to come back. I've buried the ghosts. I've buried them in this, this manuscript. 
I don't want to practice medicine anymore. He's ringing every line of dialogue for all it's worth. But this is another thing. One of my other favorite lines of his, right? And I feel like this has just got to be ADR and stuff because I don't actually think you see them, their lips move or anything like that. It says right at the end, Tommy goes to Loomis and goes, I feel like I've been drugged. We have been drugged. Doesn't say anything more about it. So presumably that's the green goop that he's putting in Michael? Is it? I have fucking no idea, mate. Oh, I don't know. I didn't even think that. Yeah, because it's a really strange line. He goes, I feel like we've been drugged. We have been drugged. And it cuts basically straight after that. I think so it's like, oh, so maybe that's the green goop. That's just explaining anything away at the end. We've been drugged. Just, yeah, we've all been drugged and the audience. Yeah. He's no longer burnt. Do you think he's had plastic surgery or do you think Donald Pleasance couldn't be arsed to have the makeup? He's got a bit of burns on his hand, but he didn't want the face stuff. Yeah, the face be. stuff he's not having it, yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the, like maybe he was so in control of what like, he could do. Like, I'm it. not doing it. I don't want to put it on. Because I know he didn't like it in the previous film. And this one, he's like, I'm just not doing it. I'll have a beard. Yeah, just say we got better. Like you said, he's a great beard. It is a really good beard, yeah. So maybe that's hiding a little bit of it, I guess. I don't know. And it is, we should say, it is his final performance. Yeah. Final, final. Because no he dies. Yeah, he, he dies in real life, after. not by yeah. Michael's hand. Which is the bizarre thing in the theatrical cunt. There is no encounter between the two of them. No. That would be like having a Dracula film and Van Helsing being in that and Van Helsing never meets Dracula. It is utterly bizarre. And obviously they do meet in the producer's cut, which makes sense, even though what happens might may or may not make sense. I kind of don't get what happens to him in the theatrical cut because... He says he's going to go back in. He says, I have a little business to attend to here. And it's a really nice shot of him. Like, if that's the final shot that we ever see of him, Mm. it's actually really, really nice. But then a producer's cut, we actually see him go back in and then he finds... Michael, in inverted commas, on the floor, takes the mask off, and it's Wynn. And then it's he looks at his hat, he looks at his own wrist, and then the thorn symbol comes on there. And then Michael walks away as the man in black. And, I mean, Loomis has the best scream as well. It's a great scream. <laughs> and the, the implication that you've chosen the oldest man in the film to be new, Michael's new protector. Yeah. But again, this is bizarre because even in that ending mm. i guess they've just not handed over the curse to danny yeah so all the cult have just gone you know what michael's really good yeah he's been doing it for years he needs a new protector let's get it, give it to loom yeah. he's good for another 10 years but that's the thing that for me doesn't make any sense though because it just I, I i there's a part of me i absolutely love the fact that he's like you're not going to be as protected the thing that you will hate the most you now have to do because mm. you're cursed, right? Why is Michael dressed up as the man in black then? <laughs> it's what, so confusing. Where is he going? Or is like, because it's almost he's going to escape and do his own thing as the man in black. When I watched that just now, I, I was like, it, <laughs> when he gets the form thing on him, I was like, is he going to, is Loomis going to be the new Michael Myers? <laughs> it was like, because Michael's the new man in black. So we need a new Michael Myers. It's going to be Loomis. Does he get all his powers? What the fuck is happening? But does that mean that Loomis can now control Michael? How did they contra- all these questions and yeah. more unanswered? Yeah. It's all over. It's all over. Other survivors. Yeah. Um, we've talked about this already. Car and Danny make no sense without mm. the producer ending because there's no reason for Danny to have this curse or kinship with Michael. No. Tommy makes sense. Yeah. And to- I think Tommy does have some good stuff in the movie and it's quite nice to have a callback to the first film 
yeah. and a character who kind of sees Michael in the same way that Loomis does. Yeah. So knows the full extent, whereas before it's always Loomis trying to convince people. Yeah, yeah. So that's it kind of changes the dynamic in this film to be a little bit more satisfying, I think, for the viewer. Yeah, I quite like that. I don't mind that at all. And I just think he's a decent character as well. If you take, that's the thing, if you take all the rune stuff out, he is a decent character. But then once you have to put that in, then there's no way of delivering any of that line well. Yeah, because you have that scene in his bedroom where he's going through the Sam Hain stuff quickly. Yeah. And it is Basil exposition. Mm. But it's even weirder that stuff doesn't connect with the ending then. No. Because they talk about the thorn being a constellation in the sky during Halloween. Yes. So he knows all this stuff. But if you don't have his hero scene where he does the protection spell no. and delivers the line to Sam Hain. Yeah. Where he mispronounces it, but it still works. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of a weird that he knows all this knowledge that he never gets to use in a scene. Yeah, and there's and then loads <laughs> of bonkers stuff ends up happening where, because he seems like he wants to stop Michael, but then the shot that they put in of him just beating the fuck out of him until that green goop actually comes out of him. He doesn't kill him. It doesn't really make any sense because you're just like, I've n- I haven't seen this anger from you. At any point during it, you've been very controlled, you've been very measured, you've been very so considered in everything you were doing, and now you're just beating him to death with a pipe, or trying to beat him to death with a pipe. So what I read that as is all that childhood trauma comes right, out in okay, that moment, because yeah. he was just obviously the worst event of his childhood, and he's just gone absolutely yeah, yeah. crazy on him. This will have you. You know, at that point, if Michael Myers is out of it, yeah. chop him up. Yeah. You're, chop you're, up you're, I know it'll be gross, but just... Chop him up to see that we've not done that before. Yeah, you've already beat him to a greeny, gooey pulp. You might as well just chop his head off. You've seen him get up from being stabbed. And an explosion. And an explosion. You know all this stuff happens. The surgery gear is upstairs. Just dice him up That's and a, separate him. It's such a weird scene, man. It really reminds me. It's cut in a way as well. Like This happens, and I guess we're going to see a lot more of it. This happens sort of at the tail end of the 90s, beginning in the 2000s, where these sort of weirdly music video style edited films start coming out. And there was the remake of House on Haunted Hill, which I think is a good example of it in some places, I think is generally quite good, but then just goes overboard with it, just the amount of cuts and the amount of just bonkers sort of grain <laughs> that they put on it and things like that. Like, and the amount of use of, you know, X-Band Rough as a font and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? It just really, really overuses it. And that shot where he's just hitting Michael is is just not pleasant to watch. Oh, actually, you just remind me. You know also that it's really abrupt? Mm. It's abrupt because that was a reshoot and they never even just bothered shooting the ending right. where he's going to like chain him up and do more things to him. Right. He literally just ran out of time so he just didn't bother. So he just beats him to death and leaves him Just there. beats him up. And that's so How can weird. that happen where he's got, you know what, we just don't have time and money. That'll do. And that is why the end of the film as it stands feels so weird. So abrupt. So abrupt, yeah. But, you know, if you... Because he injects him with this stuff, yeah. which we assume is the drugs that he's talked about is from it? earlier. The only thing... Cause, but the room before that has all these weird fetal experiments. So green as well. Um, oh. So he injects him with this stuff. But then if you injected something, someone with stuff, they're not going to bleed that instantly, are they? That's not how no. blood works. Because you're not inject, you're not replacing someone's blood with that. No, it wasn't that much of it either. It was just no. a couple of syringes now and again. But then, it was like five but, syringes and a couple of others. But then, I guess, another thing you could then speculate, if that's what it's given us, those syringes are in that lab where they're doing stuff with fetuses. Yeah. And at that point in the film, 
the cult has got substituted for basically mad science. Yeah. And we're trying to genetically engineer evil or create another Michael. That's how I interpret that. Yeah. Is because there's all those shots of like a little thing where it's like, here's a double helix yeah. and we're trying to grow evil. So they're trying to clone Michael or get something out of him. If those syringes have the evil stuff in, Maybe super evil. is that what is, yeah. Is that basically what Michael's blood's like? I'm just basically working with what I've been given here. <laughs> because like, why is that coming out of him? I don't because I don't understand that DNA sign. No. Because you at that point you got the general public at that point will have some basic knowledge of what DNA is. Yeah. Here's a double helix. Is a couple of years after Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing stuff with babies we shouldn't be doing. What? Yeah. What was the what was the cult at the beginning? Yeah. Can we just have more of that, please? You're like, because then you're like, oh, did they put this baby then inside? Jamie, because they're fucking exactly. about with theaters and stuff. Is, then is it, that what it is? Because then all their motivations have gone. It's like, well, then does it have to be related to Michael? Could you do this with any baby? Because you're in a hospital. Well, so I know you're. Confusing. It's an asylum. But I, it's. I find when he walks into that lab room at the end, genuinely mm. confusing. Yeah, I guess that's all like a reshoot and stuff as well, isn't it? And yeah, I mean, we talked about kills already, but yeah, when he just goes bonkers on all those doctors. I, I was I was watching that going, I don't know what their plan was. Yeah. I don't know what they were meant to be doing. And why have they lost control of him? Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I mean, we are obviously, I think, because it's so interconnected, we're definitely treading on Michael's motivations here. But Absolutely. I mean, we're just doing that as well because... Yeah. What are his motivations? I don't really know. And obviously, we've got the two strands pulling him in different directions. Yeah. But by the end of the theatrical cut, he is... He still wanted to kill his bloodline because the the point of tension at the end is getting that baby to safety. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I and guess he's trying to stop that. And in the cult, so that's the interesting thing. In that, in the version that exists, yeah. I guess the one that's canon. Yeah. He's most like the previous Michael Myers. He wants to kill his bloodline. Yes. And anyone who gets in the way. Okay. In the cult storyline that we don't see, is basically Michael is then a victim. Right, yeah. And he yeah. doesn't, Michael Myers, the kid, doesn't have any motivations. He's mm. basically been a puppet and a sacrifice all these years. Yeah. Which is actually quite sad. That is really sad. Because this cult has decided you are the one of the tribe that's going to yeah. carry the mark. Yeah. But that's the thing. You need to know, as an audience member watching this, you need to know, is he, <laughs> is he being controlled by them or is he not being controlled by them? Because... I mean, I don't know who is... Lots of you are saying different things here. Because your emotional reaction to him would be entirely different. Absolutely, and yeah. Obviously, at the end of Fire, we talked about this in the attic. Yeah. There are those moves to humanize him. Yeah. But they also make him more supernatural with all the curse stuff. So it's a, yeah. it's a weird tension because usually those two things would be opposed. Yeah. But you really want to... Because he, he sheds a tear in Five. Well, that, so I saw the sort of... Michael Myers, Jay Parid, reaching out the hands in sort of a gentle way and then before pushing Jamie onto the Combine Harvester. I saw that almost as a direct answer by the directors and the writers to the stuff from Five where he was showing all these different emotions. I saw that as a direct thing of them going, nah, fuck that, man. Absolutely not. And here's years him being horrible. But, I mean, I don't even know what it is. I don't know what his motivations are. I don't know if he is being controlled. I don't know what. Does he get... If he is... If he is this evil stuff and mm. they have for a long time been controlling him because stuff starts going wrong at the end, <laughs> bear with me on this, is whatever they're doing to keep control of him, 
they're no longer doing. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you've taken, basically, when you take your eye off a uh, pot of pasta. Right, okay, yeah. And he's like, it's boiling you, over, yeah. You're boiling over it. Oh, you still got to keep an eye on him. Yeah. yeah, and you go, oh, it does go quicker than you think. Yeah. And is that what happens in the surgery scene where he just lets loose? Oh, man, I, but because by then, he's been obedient. I couldn't even tell you what surgery they're prepping for. But that's the big thing is, yeah. without the, with the cool stuff gone, yeah. and then wanting to put the evil into Danny and sacrificing Laurie's baby, yes. Jamie's baby, it must be something to do with this DNA shit. So, yeah. It has to. That's the film. That's the only. If you didn't know anything about the Pika, yes, the only stuff to go on in the final act is those fetuses. So it must have been some surgery to do with them. It's not obvious, is it? It's not obvious what it is, what the point of it is. Well, not, not even not obvious. It's just not clear in any way. Why? Why would Michael <laughs> be against it? <laughs> Fucking. Why does he care? It's yeah. It's. it's Kind of all over the place. Because then, w- w- when you bring the DNA stuff, all the thorn stuff, is 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 that scientific? Do you think, right? <laughs> that obviously, we've never made a feature film or anything, but presumably, when they talk about screenings and stuff, like I- I've watched Kirby Enthusiasm, when they talk about screenings, they've had to sit down and watch this multiple times with multiple people, right? Has no one just gone? What the fuck was going on here, mate? Are people paying that little attention? Are people that bad at their jobs? They just go, yeah, it was wicked. Let's put it out. I or th- people I don't care. They don't care. I think they obviously did reshoots after they screened <laughs> the cult stuff. Yeah. That was probably more cohesive. Even if it wasn't good, it would have made more sense. And then they've reshot it with all this new stuff. And then they've got to a point where, you know what? I bet they couldn't afford to miss the next Halloween yeah. as a release date. And they yeah. just went, cut our losses. It's been six years. It will make some money. Yeah. And hopefully the budget back. At this point, the people working this, even though I know Daniel Farron's a huge fan of the franchise, the people in control of this don't care about the material. Yeah. And eventually it will get back to people who do care about the material. But right now, these people and the the people who've worked on these previous films, it's not been a job they wanted to do. No, that's true. And the way that these directors talk about it, they don't have any affection for it. Like we talk, we didn't even mention this in the last episode, but I was thinking about it watching this one. In the last film, they just changed the Myers house entirely. Yeah. <laughs> That's how little the respect they have for that original Fuck film. Whatever, and yeah. this one looks a bit more like it because yeah. it's a more of a plot point. But it's still not the same one. It feels tiny. They don't go back to Pasadena. I, I kind of didn't get that because... <laughs> Come they, on. They keep having these like lovely shots of it and be like, I know what that house looks like. And it does yeah. not look like that. Well, it looks... Better than basically Pennywise's house from the last film. That's true, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that is what it is. Which looks like a cartoon. Mm. But I think that is just like a little symbol of how much actually it's more about just getting one of these out rather than anyone who's involved in production. Because someone involved in production yeah. should know that you're not having Michael Myers being the father of that baby. And that's not a note that should ever come down. Do you think it's just like a fundamental, almost like lack of respect for audiences and people who care about anything? And they just go, let's put it out. They'll fucking lap it up. Absolutely. And I think (laughs) obviously around this time, there were a lot of really bad slasher Mm. films. And after the first one, the series obviously completely loses its identity. Everyone tries to pull it in different directions. Mm. And... We're doing this on Halloween, and the first film is a classic and I think a great piece of cinema. Yeah. The other two main slasher franchises definitely have a firmer grip on who their main character is. That's true, yeah. Even though they do different things with him, I think there is more consistency. Yeah. Whereas Michael's just 
loads of different stuff at this point. But yeah, it it's strange, isn't it? Also, f- I I guess like I've always been under the, I've never thought, and I don't think people who who even say this actually generally think it either. But you know when people are like, oh, they're remaking Transformers. Oh, it's going to ruin my childhood. And he's like, no, because just because that's being done doesn't mean change mm. what happened to you in any one bit. And I generally do feel like that with Halloween because I love the originals, one of my favorite films. But even and having all of these films that come after it don't really change my enjoyment Absolutely. of it ever. And I do think there is a place, I think this series is fascinating. It's why we did this podcast on it. It's, like, it's absolutely fascinating because you get to watch whatever filmmaking nonsense is going on behind the scenes. You get to see it now with the benefit of hindsight and just going, what the fuck were these lads playing at? And it's fantastic. It's really it, interesting. It really reminds me of when Heston Blumenthal did that TV show on Channel 4 where they said, can you take your three Michelin star food yeah. and serve it on an airplane? Yeah. And that's what this is. Can you take something wonderful and brilliant that was mm. made by a creative team? Yeah. But can you do it <laughs> in a little tiny box that you can put in a microwave and serve to a mass audience? Absolutely, yeah. Come with us. No, I, I have a little business to attend to here. Is he evil in this? Which one? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Which one, I think? He stopped with his jape. He's done a couple of japes, good japes in this. Wynn does say at one point he is pure evil. Mm. Michael? Evil. Pure, uncorrupted, ancient. But, I mean, Wynn's off his head, so... Uh, but for me, the big thing is Loomis saying that Michael was inhabited by pure evil and a pure evil force. So I was like, if he's been inhabited by a, I don't know how much that's taken over him. I don't think he is pure evil. Might have pure evil. So when in we're him. saying Michael, we're referring to the man because if pure evil takes him over, he is he is then are we using Michael synonymous with what he's doing? Yeah, but I think that question is actually most pointed in this film of, of all. Yeah, is he being a puppet and used? Mm. Or does Michael, that boy, become whatever this is? I, I, I mean, I'm, I'd like to say that he's being a puppet and being used just so I can say that he's definitely not evil. But I don't fucking know what he's in this. It's like, <laughs> like Schrodinger's Michael. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are you saying? Are you saying he's pure evil? I don't know anymore. No, he's, <laughs> yes, he's, he's pure evil. He's pure evil. Nah. On the next episode, we're acting like none of the last three weeks took place in Halloween H2O 20 years later. The Definitive Companion is made by RKG. We make podcasts and videos about things we love, including manifestations of pure evil. If you'd like to find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash RKG.